0: um so um Eric, you were first to uh volunteer, and these will kind of be throughout uh the reflection today um so you're gonna be on mark five one to twenty Blake you're gonna be on mark five twenty four to thirty four and you're gonna be in mark ten thirteen to sixteen um don't worry you will get a re uh, announcement of those things for anyone who is <laughs> uh, sitting there sweating i 'm um, so super keen to be kicking off this series uh, of our refuge i 'm um, really excited because it 's been something that um, when we, in the first half of last year, when we were meeting as an eldership for starting this church. And we were thinking, what is it that we want to be? What's the vision that we have of this community about who we want them to be? About, you know, what's the scope of what we're doing here, of this thing that we're starting? You know, what's the essence of it? And we set this vision of what we wanted our new city church to be. It was that all would find refuge and life in Christ. Um, and the reason that we. Um, put those things together is because we believe that refuge uh, and fierce refuge and fullness of life uh, come together when we holistically encounter God. Um, When God moves and breathes and works and redeems and rests and loves and reaches out and gives space, all those things, uh, and when our world opens itself up to God's presence, Uh, and relinquishes some of the evils which pervade our world, we really truly believe the fruits of that are refuge and life, and that those things blossom when we encounter God. Um, And it's a big theme in the Bible, and I'm really keen to uh, kind of delve into it over the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter. Um, April 4th, in case you didn't know, is Easter Sunday. Um, Is it? (laughs) Ah, there we go. Okay, good to know. Lance's birthday also. Um, I wanted to pick up on the life of Jesus, and I wanted to do that in these three passages of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I wanted to do that because sometimes for me in my tradition, um, in the lead up to Easter, um, there's a real focus on the cross and death of Jesus and the suffering that comes with Jesus, and that's just something that has been part of, um, you know, the Easter story is that God's purpose to come is to die, Um, and that's that's the main purpose, you know, that's something that kind of has been really strongly part of my tradition, Um, but I think I've been coming to really see that Jesus comes quite abundantly to show the life of God. And very like tangibly to us, and I was sort of kind of reflecting on this, and you know, I think about like the Trinity sitting sitting in a room. You know, this is like let's put the theology to the side for a moment as I go (laughs) go through this image of like God just like talking amongst God's self as the Trinity, being like, you know, there's going to be this thing that these humans they're going to have on their mind unless we really show them. They're like, it's just it's going to be the question that comes up time and time again what would God look like if God came as a human? So I feel like we should do it. We should show him, you know? <laughs> um, theology can come back in now. Um, <laughs> I think when God comes uh, in so powerfully into our world, um, there's there's this struggle, right? Because there are these forces of evil, and I'm kind of reclaiming some of this language, um, which might maybe is a bit fierce for you, but I'm, I'm trying to reclaim it a little bit, um, which over time, these forces of evil have gained momentum in our world. You know, forces of power and control, of uh, shamed identity. Uh, there's intergenerational traumas that exist. Um, there's a world of people who um, have been taught to relate in unhealthy ways, and they don't know anything else. Um, And so when God incarnates, when the creator and the sustainer joins with the created and the sustained, this world grapples with that presence. Um, And the Gospel of Mark shows some of those struggles, like there's like big cosmic battles taking place. uh, And we'll see it in some of our stories. Um, Jesus engages with demons and evil spirits. Uh, Jesus engages with the winds and the waves and the storms. Uh, There's also these political and empirical battles taking place, um, where Jesus starts to take on the names of the the leaders of Rome, like King and Son of God. Um, There are religious battles where Jesus is the Messiah and his Jewish teaching is seen to be more authoritative than the other Jewish teaching. Um, And as Jesus engages in these battles the presence of God explodes powerfully against these forces and these forces fight back which lead us up into Easter but for now I really want to focus on the life of Jesus and what God's incarnation reveals to us what the life of Jesus reveals to us about the life of God Um, A big part of Jesus' life is about being a refuge to people on the margins, being a refuge to us. Um, It's seen throughout the gospel that when these big waves of life roll on around, Jesus is an explosion of refuge that happens locally, personally, intimately. So that's what we're going to get into tonight. Um, Eric. Can I call upon you to read our first passage for this evening, which is Mark 5, uh, 1 to 20, and I'll give you this.
1: They went across the lake to the region of something. Yeah, that. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had oft been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, "'What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me.' For Jesus had said to him, "'Come out of this man, you impure spirit.' those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and people went out and see what they ha- and people went out to see what had happened when they came to jesus they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind and they were afraid those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed man and told about the pigs as well
0: Bit of a wild passage. Um, there's some oddities in there. Uh, <laughs> um, so Jesus meets a man who is controlled by a demon named Legion. Um, this is a bit out of worldly for us. Um, I really wanted to flag just as a bit of a uh, upfront thing that. Uh, in some people's traditions, the association between mental illness, disability, queerness even, and having a demon is something that can be part um, of what's been taught. That's not something that I have really been taught, but I just want to acknowledge that might be something that has strongly been part of your tradition and been really used harmfully. Um, I'm not going to go into heaps of depth about it, but I am going to try and explain some of these weird things and kind of get to the crux of this story. If at the end you think that wasn't enough for me and that thing just has power over me and I'm not sure why, um, please come and chat to me. Uh, I know Kaz would be happy to chat with you um, as the uh, in-house Pentecostal... uh (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um... So in this story, we see the, the imagery of these cosmic forces at play, of good and evil that are part of um, the author of Mark and the reader of Mark's worldview. Um, there's also political and uh, empirical imagery in here in that legion was the name of a group of Roman military soldiers of about four to 6,000 soldiers, Um, And the symbol of one of those legions who was involved in a lot of the Jewish Rome battles um, and the persecution, particularly in the Jewish wars, was Legio Fratensis X, whose symbol is a boar, which is a pig. Uh, I'm going to show you, put this down and show you for a moment. Um, So to kind of explain some of the oddities or weirdness that we might be like, what the heck? Um, there's a theory that a demon named Legion is a symbol for a few thousand demons in this man. Um, also, these demons being put into a herd of pigs is a symbol for like this troop of Roman soldiers. And the imagery of them charging down the hill into the ocean is reminiscent of a very significant Jewish story of uh, the Israelites escaping Egypt and when they escaped uh, they went through the Red Sea Moses parted the Red Sea uh, and as they got through and the Roman soldiers were behind them uh, the sea engulfed them Um, and the army kind of came in behind them. Uh, So I'm not going to really conclude strongly about any of this. but these are some of the kind of contextual images which really help us make sense of this passage uh, and what might be trying to be communicated here. Uh, What I will uh, conclude strongly about is that I think the the crux of all of this is that what's being portrayed is Jesus has authority over all of these powerful forces in the world. And in the middle of this cosmic and political battle, is a man who has been repeatedly chained up and segregated into the caves by his community because he's so violent and wild and they don't know what else to do with him. And it reminded me of a story that I read this week. Um, It was in the news about the Disability Royal Commission that's happening at the moment. I'm not sure if you would have read it. Um, It was of a 38-year-old indigenous woman who lives with an intellectual disability Um, a borderline personality disorder uh, and extreme self-harm behaviour. Melanie is her name, uh, has been detained in the forensic hospital in Sydney's south as an involuntary civil patient for about 20 years. And the article in the ABC told me she was kept in seclusion for up to 23 hours a day for eight years. It's really, really shocking. Um, The ABC article made the quote, Melanie has been classified as a danger to herself and the community. Sounding familiar. Um, She appeared in a powerful video to the inquiry saying, I've had a bad upbringing, but I'm a strong, proud, black, Aboriginal woman here before you today to come and get help where I need it and fight for my rights. The end of this story in Mark 5 says, They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. Jesus battles cosmic, political and religious forces and the way that we see the outcomes of this battle are in the ways he restores the rights and dignity of a human who had been hidden away by his community for years, a danger to himself and to others. This man, I believe, finds refuge and life in Christ. And a really beautiful thing about it is he then goes on in verses 18 to 20, Uh, to beg Jesus that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Jesus encourages him not to hide away any longer, but to go be an engaged part of society to take part in his community, to share his story, use his voice, and lead others into refuge. Jesus sees the valuable person he is. He provides res- refuge from his suffering and then empowers him. Story number one. Uh, second story. Mark five, twenty-four 24 to 34. This one's a bit shorter.
2: He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering.
0: Thank you. Um, In this story, there's a woman who's been, um, because of her continual bleeding, uh, she's unclean and therefore would have been excluded from the synagogue, which was quite central for community participation for Jewish people. Uh, We're told in this story she's been taken advantage of by health professionals for 12 years. Um, This is a continuing problem in our day and age for women's health. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if you would have read this article that kind of went viral, that was talking about the amount of funding of research that went into um, male pleasure in sex being about 10 times higher than the amount of funding that went into uh, the amount of pain that women have in sex. Um, And that being the pleasure for men being 10 times more in funding and uh, the pain in sex for women was down here 10 times less in funding. Um, There's a lot of chronic conditions like endometriosis for women, uh, painful periods, chronic fatigue syndrome, which my partner suffers from, uh, kind of all accepted as normal for a while. Um, there's the amount of women not being believed by the health professionals. Um, There's a lot of invasive surgeries that women go through. Uh, And by no means is this exclusive for women. Um, But I was really, really reminded this week in the political realm um, about comments made by our Prime Minister um, about allegations of assault on a woman um, that have revealed to me a real deep lack of respect in our most senior leadership Let alone for for believing a woman's story and let alone for her health and well being. And I think that this woman in this story represents a lot of women today, many today. Um, You can imagine the immense drive this woman in this story has as she just pushes through the crowd, it's probably crowded there giving up on the social boundaries that she's meant to be following and told to be following for the last 12 years. Uh, She's touching everyone even though she's unclean. And she's approaching yet another leader who promises healing. She's grappling for this lifeline at the end of her wits. And after all she's been through, Jesus turns around and says to her, says to the crowd, Who touched my clothes? You can imagine her heart pounding in her chest, her heart rate, her hands, her shame, her questioning what to do, what's the outcome going to be. We're told the woman, knowing what's happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. This man who has status, power over her future, how will he respond? Will it be rejection? Will he ask that she pay exuberant amounts of money for her healing only to find out later it's based on lies again? Will Jesus reprimand her for being in a public place with this condition? Will he deny her truth? Will he banish her to the margins again? Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. After so many have rejected her, Jesus commends and blesses her. She's finally healed from pain and suffering, finally healed from the potential shame that she carries, from the community exclusion, from the fear and trembling that we see that she has in this story. She now has peace. I believe Jesus has gifted her refuge and her life. Story number two, and our final passage, an even shorter one, Mark ten thirteen to 16.
2: People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them.
0: I hope you're sensing a little bit of repeated themes here. Um, there is a story here of yet another group of people or persons um, who are disregarded or excluded by people who are meant to know better. Um, Jesus brings them in, gives them refuge, blesses them. Um, But he doesn't just do that. He does something else very important. He turns to his disciples, the gatekeepers in this passage, Uh, who are meant to know the refuge and life of God, and says, these people who you've overlooked and turned away, they're actually your greatest teachers. Learn from them. And I wonder if you picked up on that theme throughout these three stories, that each one of these overlooked people is actually the leader of telling God's story in each of these narratives. These are the ones who intimately and personally know what God's refuge and life is like. And they are the true and best teachers for others. So as we bring all of these together, what I want you to know is that we've seen that Jesus is a refuge for all who are isolated, degraded, struggling with ill health, whose gifts are overlooked, And as the forces of evil and good, the forces of politics, the forces of government, the forces of religion, as the waves of life rally around us, there is refuge in God in the local and personal and intimate. We absolutely find refuge and life in Christ. And the reason our church has this vision is because Often one of the only ways that people can find this refuge is through the people who have been transformed by this refuge and open their life to us in order that we find refuge too. And it was beautiful that you mentioned that, Eric. This is a really beautifully transforming thing. Um, I wrote a blog last year. It was about the power of internalised homophobia And I included a paragraph about the love that I'd experienced through the life of a community of people who loved me. And I wanted just to share two paragraphs. Out of great shame, I'm thankful I found people who showed me a different way. I give thanks for the people who told me a different narrative about myself. Who brought light into my darkness who loved me for all that I am and all that I bring. These are the people who gave me my life. And in the grace of others, you will also find grace for yourself, for the things you thought and said, because they were never your narrative. They were always someone else's, no matter how deep they got lodged inside you. You are safe and held by God. If you feel isolated or ignored or excluded or not believed or the structures of support in our world mean you fall through the gaps, Jesus sees you and wants more of you. And once you know this about yourself, you become God's biggest and best teachers by sharing your story, by being a refuge to just one person and then another and then another And as we have capacity, maybe we might join in Jesus in resisting those bigger forces of power and control. In doing all of these things, we share the refuge of God with others as we fulfill our vision statement as a church, that through this community, through what we do, how we exist, who we are, all would find refuge and life in Christ. What a beautiful picture. Let me pray to conclude. God, thank you so much that you have bursted into our world in such powerful and in such personal ways. Thank you that we can know you intimately. Thank you that your character is to love and provide refuge to restore us and heal us and give us life. God, we pray for those of us here, those of us in our extended community, um, those of us who we reach in our lives, those who need refuge and safety and life, who need your refuge and your safety and your life. Would we find it and would we gift it to others as we journey with you and journey as a church together. And God, we pray for this vision that you would, by your Spirit, through the life and refuge of Christ, bring together this beautiful vision of our church community being refuge and life for all. We pray this boldly uh, and confidently in the name of Jesus. Amen.